Uh, we are going to be in Genesis chapter 2 in just a moment, and um, starting a new series. Just before we get there, let's, let's pray. Lord, we come to your word today. God, we ask that you would open our hearts and our ears to what you would have to say to us today, Lord. Just as Pastor Marvin just mentioned, you have each of us here for a reason. And so, Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, I pray that my words would be your words, that, uh, Lord, you would just anoint me as your servant to speak forth your word for what we, as your church, need to hear from you today. Lord, we give this time to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was, um, I don't know what day it was, but sometime in 2021, I was driving through my neighborhood, just a typical day, it was in the afternoon, and it wasn't too late afternoon, it was kind of early afternoon, I remember, and I saw a group of people walking uh, through the neighborhood. It looked like a family uh, of people, maybe five or six people kind of walking through the neighborhood. And uh, I, I had this thought come to my mind that I'm not proud of, but it's the thought that came to my mind, and I'm about to share it with you out loud. Um, and the thought that came to my mind and what I muttered under my breath as I looked at this beautiful family having a walk through the neighborhood is, that's so 2020. Are we still going for walks with each other outside and something? And I'm not proud of that thought, but that's immediately what came to my mind. Because you remember 2020 when we all went for walks together outside? Maybe you did. That we couldn't see anybody else except our little pod or whatever in our, in our house. And, and so we couldn't, you know, do much. So we went for walks outside. And we did lots of things then that maybe we stopped doing. All of our discretionary time activities were kind of taken away for many of us. They stopped, and so we maybe discovered board games that we had in the house that we hadn't seen in a while. Maybe you took up a new hobby or an old hobby, started doing something or trying something. Many of us, for some reason, ended up with sourdough on our counters. You watched some YouTube things. We, we did some things, maybe if you had people living at home with you, you ate more meals together. You spent time together, maybe more as a family. And some of us, perhaps many of us, said this statement, I'm never going back to the way life was before. Maybe you thought, this changes everything. That, oh, some, some of us in that time, you thought, this feels good. I'm never going back to going into an office five days a week. I'm never going back to commuting to work. I'm never going back to missing out time with my kids or with family. We are, I'm just never going to go back. I'm never going back to having a busy schedule where I'm busy about all kinds of things. I'm never going back there. This changes everything. And so it's September of 2023, the week after Labor Day. And how are you doing with that? How are you doing with your never going backs? How are you doing with your not being overly busy? Because if you're like me, this week just got very busy for many of you. That all of a sudden, the fall kicks up, things happen, and all of a sudden, 
your calendar starts filling up with things. Especially if you're a parent, you know what this is like. If you've got kids that have gone off to school, your night, all of a sudden you've got back to school night, you've got parents' nights, you've got this and that, and your calendar starts filling up. And I've noticed that with parents, and I've had some conversations with you, there's like at least a few different categories of parents when it comes to school starting. There's the one category of parent that is bemoaning the end of summer. And you just love the time you have with your kids. And it was so flexible, and you could go anywhere and do anything. And you're so sad that school is starting. I will say you are the minority category. (laughs) Because there's this other category that you enjoyed summer, but you want routine. You are thankful that a schedule has happened again. You enjoyed that time, but it's over, and you are just grateful for the routine stuff. I had a mom tell me, she said, I finally know what that Staples commercial meant years ago that said it's the most wonderful time of the year when you're buying those school supplies and you're getting it back. How many of you are glad for routine? How many of you parents, you're just glad, thankful school started? A few of you. Now, there's one other category, and you're the category that as soon as school ended in June, you started counting down the days till school was going to start again. You were going, it cannot start soon enough. I am tired of finding babysitters. I am tired of finding childcare. I can't do this anymore. Please. You just started looking around. What school starts the earliest? My kid's going there. We get busy very quickly. We get busy very quickly. But regardless of how you view that, or maybe you're not a parent, but just how you view your time and your schedule, none of us want to be on the razor's edge when it comes to our time and our busyness. I mean, none of us want to have no margin. None of us want, I think, to be in the place where we're at the end of our rope. I mean, we need to find a good rhythm between our work and our rest. And I intentionally came into this series in September and didn't want to do this series in the summer because I want to do it when we're starting to get busy. I want to do it. I want to talk about this when our schedules are tiring, starting to fill up. Because the truth is that if I were to ask you this question, hey, how was your week? How was your week? What do you think the number one word some people would respond with is? Busy. We're all busy, aren't we? We're bu- How was your week? Busy. Oh, it's crazy busy. Why is that? A few years ago, Harvard University did a study, and their study was on what, is the stat- what do people consider the status symbols in our culture and in our world? And things change over time. Many years ago, the status symbol might have been, uh, for many people, the car you drive or the vacation you took or maybe the flexibility you have to knock off early in the work day or go to a vacation home. But they were trying to measure what are the status symbols in our society now. And they had a hypothesis that one of the status symbols was being busy. And so they conducted this study where they sent out letters from this fictional person to two different groups of people. And one group got a letter that said, from Daniel, that said, I am crazy busy. And it basically said, you know, I just don't have time to, I'm just so busy. And the second letter from this fictional Daniel said, oh, I've got time to watch TV and I'm watching sports. And and then there was a follow-up question of how you rate Daniel's wealth and status. 
And overwhelmingly, far more than two to one, the ones that got the letter that Daniel said he was crazy busy, that rated Daniel as someone who was probably wealthy and of high status. Why is that? Why is that the mark of someone's value or uh, worth or wealth that we would put that on it. They also looked at some commercials. And they looked at commercials that were on TV at the time. And there was a commercial by Rolex that was on TV. And it said, the Rolex commercial said, every time Bill Gates checks the time, it costs him $300 a second. How much is your time worth? There was a commercial on uh, that was for the Wall Street Journal. And the commercial of the Wall Street Journal had all these stars, movie stars, and people that were well-known on there. And they said, people that don't have time, make time to read the Wall Street Journal. It was a Cadillac commercial that was on there. And, and there, were, there was a guy, two people sitting by the pool, and, and they were talking to each other. They said, why do we work so hard? Other countries, they work, they stroll home, they stop by the cafe, they take August off. Why don't we do that? Why aren't we like that? And the response came back, because we are crazy, driven, hardworking believers. That's why. And as if that was a good thing. And the conclusion the researchers came to was this, that no longer is it uh, wealth symbols and status symbols are about scarce things like jewelry or money or cars. Instead, it's about saying, I am the scarce resource, and therefore I am valuable. Displaying one's busyness at work and lack of leisure time operates as a visible signal of status in the eyes of others. That we live in a world and a time where maybe our value, at least in others' eyes, or maybe the way we see our value is how busy are you? Because if you're busy, you must be valuable. Somebody wants you. Somebody needs you. If you've got time on your hands and you've got nothing, you know, you've got free time, well, then nobody wants you. You're not busy. You're not valuable. And so many times we live in a time and a world that we fill our time with busyness. We fill our time with thinking this because perhaps it is we grab our value from that. So to talk about rest talk about breaking from work is a countercultural conversation in many ways, but maybe even counter-psychological in many ways in our thinking and in our hearts. Why are companies now wanting to get people back to the office? Because that's what I'm hearing, right? I'm, maybe you're, you're in one of those situations. I was talking to a friend recently, and he said, hey, yeah, we're just waiting for the memo. They're, they're, they're going to call us back to the office, and we know, it all, we know it's coming. We're no more, you know, working from home, or at least not as much. I was, in a, the ca- I was at True North the other day, a cafe. I sat down uh, next to a woman who struck up a conversation with me, and she's telling me about her job, and she says, even when she works from home, it's become harder because her work requires her to have a babysitter or a caregiver in the house if she's working from home that she can't be the primary caregiver and work from home. And that was a surprise to me. I didn't know. But why is this? I think, I think one reason is because the company's saying, we want your full attention. We want your undivided full attention on your work. And okay, I get that. 
Well, my question this morning as we talk about this concept this morning of rest is, when does God get your full undivided attention? When do the people around you that are important to you, that you care about, get your full and undivided attention? And why is it that maybe some of those lessons we thought we learned a few years ago, that we thought were going to change the way we related to work, that we thought were going to change the way we related to our schedules, all of a sudden have gone by the wayside so quickly? Is there anything God has given us to help us in this balance of rhythm and work and, uh, work and rest and how to do this? And I think there is, and I think it's called Sabbath. Sabbath. I want to, for the next four weeks, we're going to stop and listen to what the Bible has to say about Sabbath. We're going to stop and ask, what does it mean? I've never, we've never done a series on this at Mount Hope, at least not that I can remember, but I think it's important for us to understand this concept of what the Bible says about it. Sabbath itself, the word Sabbath, the Hebrew word Shabbat, literally means cease or desist, to stop, to stop working to stop engaging in your work. It, is, uh, it, is, it carries the meaning to rest from your work. It is a command in the scripture to recognize and remember, to obey, to keep the Sabbath. It's in the same list of commands as things like don't murder, things like uh, don't cheat on your spouse, don't worship other gods, don't make an idol, that same list talks about the Sabbath. And it's important that we understand it as a command. It's important that we wrestle with what does it mean to be a Jesus follower and embrace what the Bible says about Sabbath. But beyond a command, I'm hoping in the next few weeks we can also see, and we can see maybe even more clearly, that Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift. In fact, it's a gift, if you look at Scripture, I think even before it was a command, that Sabbath Resting from your work, ceasing your work, stopping your work is a gift. And like any gift, if you leave it unopened, you miss the present. So let's look at where Sabbath first shows up in the Bible. So turn to Genesis chapter 2 with me. Genesis chapter 2. It's right in the, obviously, the, well, maybe not obviously. It's right in the start of your Bible. Uh, right, in the, right in the first few pages there. Um, Genesis chapter 2. And just to give you a little bit of context, hopefully, if you were with us in our story of Scripture series, you kind of get, you, you know, we, we covered Genesis to Revelation of what the large story of Scripture is, and you, you can figure out maybe where we are in the story. If you were not with us, uh, it's online, but we're going to do a Wednesday night class in October. If you weren't busy enough, um, you can put on your schedule. <laughs> In October, we're going to be starting a Wednesday night class where we are going to cover the story of Scripture, talk about and engage in that from the beginning uh, to the end. Um, and we're going to talk about Sabbath. Uh, can I, I want to pause for a moment because I just noticed, uh, and I'm going to call you guys out, I just noticed Rebecca and Shade are in here. Uh, and I'm going to pause my series for a moment because you guys are launching your church next week, right? You guys got your first service next week? 
And you guys are ready to go. Can we, can you stand? Can we pray for you guys? You guys are launching a church in Cambridge next week, right? Give, give, give us the name of your church. Revive City Church in Cambridge. You got everything you need yet? You, you still praying for a few things? All right, all right, let's talk about it. Let's, all right, we are going to revive City Church in Cambridge. You guys have been working for this plant. You guys have been training for this. And next Sunday is your first Sunday. What time's your service? 10 a.m. Okay, all right. Would you, can we take a moment? Can we pray for Rebecca and Shade and their church? Lord, God, we just bring Revive City Church to you right now. God, I thank you for Rebecca. I thank you for Shade. I thank you for their ministry. I thank you for the call on their life. And Lord, for bringing them to this moment of obedience and this moment of faith, Lord, where they have stepped out and said, we're going to plant this gospel community in Cambridge. We're going to bring your word and your hope to this location. Lord, we just pray for them as leaders. We pray that you would give them everything they need for all that you have called them to do. Lord, as they endeavor to plant this church and start this new community, God, I pray that you would bring leaders alongside them. God, that you would bring the people resources they need, that you would bring the financial resources, the technical resources, everything they need. Lord, to plant a community in the city of Cambridge that would share and show the love of Jesus in that place, Lord. God, that you would give them, Lord, the words they need to speak to help them, give them the time that they need this week just to get everything in place for that service to just go off and to bring glory to your name and to bring worship to your name and to honor you that this will be the first Sunday of a long life of this church in this area and in this city for you. And just as we sang about this morning, that it would bring revival, it would bring new life to this neighborhood and to this city. We ask your blessing upon Rebecca and Shade. Lord, would you pour out your spirit upon them? Would you give them strength and anointing for the work that you've called them to? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, we'll be praying for you. All right, let's come back to Sabbath, okay? Because this is the last time Rebecca and Shade are going to get a chance to rest. So let's talk about it. (laughs) Genesis chapter 2, here's where Sabbath is in the Bible. Here's where it's first talked about. So the first six days, God created. And chapter 1 of Genesis is that, the creation story. Chapter 2 starts with this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. First point is this, Sabbath is created by God. Sabbath is created by God. One of the books I read, uh, have been reading to just understand Sabbath more is by an author named Abraham Joshua Heschel. Who's a Jew, who is a Jewish theologian uh, and, and studied a lot of the Hebrew Bible and the Hebrew scriptures and, and it wrote many books but provided a lot of helpful teaching on how uh, especially Jewish people would see uh, the Hebrew scriptures. 
And on this verse, he brought something out that I never noticed before. And that's when it says, and on the seventh day, God finished his work. And Abraham Hessel asked this question, wouldn't you expect to see that on the sixth day? Didn't God finish his work on the sixth day? On the seventh day, he rested. So why does it say, and on the seventh day? He finished his work. The question is, what was the work that was done on the seventh day? And rabbis and scholars and theologians kind of wrestle with this. And one consensus is this, is that the work of the seventh day was the creation of rest, was the gift of rest, was the gift of Sabbath, was the gift of ceasing your work, stopping your work, and not working. And you say, you might say, well, well, you know, how do you, why do you have to create rest? You know, you get tired, you have to rest. You don't have to create that. I think we have to understand where we're first hearing about this rest in this creation story. If you're thinking of rest as the necessary recovery your body needs after a great expenditure of energy, then the thought of needing to create it might seem strange to us. But since these verses are talking about the almighty, all-powerful, never-tiring God, then it can't be that when it talks about rest on the seventh day, it means that God was tired. Like, he's talking about the almighty God. So it's not like God created the world for six days. He's perspiring, wiping his forehead and being like, I need a break. Like, that's not what's going, it can't be that. So that can't be what rest means. It can't be just, I have expended so much energy that now I need to recover from it. It's a different understanding of rest. This is rest from work that has been done. This is rest like when the scriptures talk about King David, and it says King David uh, conquered all his enemies and he had rest on all sides. It doesn't mean he doesn't have kingly things to do. It just means he has rest from the battles. He has rest from the fighting. He has rest from that work. And so when it says God rested on the seventh day, it means the work of creation was done. And so he rests and rules now, and he rests and he stops the work. And so God creates rest. But it, does, it says not only that he creates rest, it says something else about the seventh day. It says he blessed it, which means he made it delightful, he made it joyful. He made it something to be looked forward to, something to be received, something to delight in. Sabbath is supposed to be that. But then it also says one more thing. It says he made it holy. And Abraham Heschel brings out this point that I never noticed either. It's the first use in the Bible of the word holy. It's the first thing called holy. If I were to ask you this morning before I read in this passage, what's the first thing God calls holy in the Bible? My answer would be it must be God. God's holy. Or maybe it would be it's a temple or it's Jerusalem or it's some holy object. And the first time the Bible uses a word is important. It's basically saying pay attention. This word's never showed up before. And the first thing God calls holy is the Sabbath is the seventh day. It's a holiness of time. It's a sacredness of time. 
It's saying there's a time that is important. There's a time that is not only delightful and created by God, but is sacred. That's to be reverenced. Why would that be important? Because all other religions had gods that constantly needed to be pleased, required work, that created humans to do the work the gods did not want to do. But right from the beginning, what we see is that the God of the Bible, that the God of of the Hebrews, that Yahweh is a God that creates rest from work. And this is distinctive. And it's the culmination of creation. It's the finish of the work. It's something that that God puts out there as this is the end of the story, even at the beginning. This is where we're looking forward to. He called time holy. God created Sabbath. Second point, Sabbath is a gift from the Lord and a day to the Lord. It's a gift from the Lord and a day to the Lord. I want to go to another passage of Scripture, Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, let me give you a little bit. We've moved a little forward in the story of Scripture, and here's here's where it's at. The people of Israel are coming out of slavery in Egypt. And if you don't know where we are in the story, come out on Thursday nights in October. Thursday, Wednesday nights. Don't come on Thursday nights. Wednesday nights in October. We're going to do a story. We're going to walk through scripture. But in the story, you have the children of Israel, the nation of Israel that were in slavery to Egypt. And God uses a man named Moses to bring them out. Exodus chapter 16. Bring them out of slavery. And when he delivers them out of slavery, they're in the desert. There's no farms. There's no food. There's no supermarket they can go to. We're talking one to two million people. There's a big group you got to feed. God provides miraculously bread, some sort of substance. It's bread-like. Every morning they would come out and there would be this like dew on the grass and they would collect it and they would bake it or boil it and it would become like bread. And They didn't know what it was. They called it manna, which literally translates to what is it. They didn't know what it was, but God provided it every day. And just enough, the idea was they could eat as much as they want, but they could only eat it for that day and they couldn't keep it for the next day. And guess how God provided for his people for years in the desert. And you come to Exodus chapter 16, and it says this. On the sixth day, in verse 22, on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, why did they tell Moses? They told Moses, because we're not supposed to gather this much bread. There's not supposed to be this much out here. We came out, there's a lot of bread out here. And we know we're not supposed to keep it for the next day, because when they tried keeping it for the next day once, it spoiled and became rotten, got full of worms. So we're not falling for that again. But they're basically saying to Moses, look, there's a lot of bread out here today on the sixth day, and we collected it, and we're telling you about it. And he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather it, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. 
Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Three things I want you to notice from this passage. Three quick observations. First thing this. Exodus chapter 16 is before Exodus chapter 20. Somebody say, obviously, Pastor Rick. (laughs) Exodus chapter 16 is before Exodus chapter 20. And why is that important? Because the Ten Commandments that you and I know about come about in Exodus chapter 20. The law hasn't been given yet. But Exodus chapter 16, God is saying, this is a principle of creation. This is a principle of how I've created humanity. That six days you're going to labor, but one you're going to rest and you're going to cease working. This is before the covenant with Israel. This is before the covenant with Moses. This is before the Ten Commandments. God says, this is how it operates. I've built this principle in. I want you to labor six days. I want you to cease rest. I want you to Sabbath one day. So that goes beyond his relationship just with, uh, just with the covenant with Israel, that he built this into humanity. Second, second observation is this. Notice verse 29. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. Here's where I get the idea. Sabbath is a gift from God. He's given it to you. He's given it to you. Rest from your work is a gift from God. When we don't rest, when we are on 24-7, when we always have to be reached, when we can never be off, then we are leaving that gift unopened. Uh, maybe worse than that, we are in effect saying, thanks, but no thanks, God. I don't need your gift. I don't need your gift. I'm just going to keep going. It's a gift. Sabbath is a gift from God. So we can get into all kinds of arguments, and, and we're going to get into some of the topics over the next few weeks. You might be like, well, how much do you have to observe? What's the law? What's the, is it this day or that day? Is it, you know, how, is it okay if I work this day, but I take 24 hours? Like we, can, we can get into all of that. But all I want you to hear this morning is it's a gift. It's a gift. You want to say no to the gift? It's a gift from God. It's a gift that God offered. He says, I want you to cease your work one day in Sabbath. I want you to step away from it. It's a gift from God. But it is also, look at verse 25, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's not a life hack. It's not a, this is how you're going to get more out of the other days that you work. This is mindfulness. Like, it's not, God isn't saying that this is a Sabbath to the Lord. This is a Sabbath to the Lord. That means that when we rest, we rest in a way that is trusting that God is at work even when we are not. We are trusting that God is the creator who created in six days and that he is God and we are not. That when we step away from our work, we're doing it as a proclamation and a declaration of a trust in a God who created in six days and rested on the seventh. It's a mark. It's a mark on us. Now, all kinds of questions come up. Can everybody do this? What about people in this? What about that? What about that situation? We're going to have those conversations. I'm not talking about that this morning. I just want you to hear it's a gift. It's a gift from God, and it's a day to God. It's a gift from God and a day to God. It's a declaration, though, of the God that you serve. It's countercultural in many ways, sometimes more than others. If you go to New York City down on 9th Avenue, you might walk by a store 
that you might not realize is the second largest photo and video store in the entire world. At least it was at one point, I think it still is. B&H Photo. And if you walk by on any given day, there's thousands of people going into the front door, except after one o'clock on Friday afternoon and all day Saturday. Because if you try and go B&H Photo on that day, you'll find the doors are closed. Because B&H Photo is run by some Orthodox Hasidic Jews who observe the Sabbath. And their Sabbath that they observe starts Friday afternoon and goes through Saturday. You might say, well, that's okay. I'll just go to their website and buy my stuff there. But if you go on B&H Photo's website after Friday afternoon and on Saturday, you'll find that you can browse all of their equipment, but you can't buy anything. Not during that time. And someone once said to them, how can you do this? How can you close on the busiest day of the week? How can you be closed on Black Friday, the busiest shopping day of the year? And the response of the leaders of B&H Photo was, we respond to a higher authority. And it's a proclamation, right? When you say, I'm not going to work, I'm going to step away. It's going to be countercultural. I'm going to do something different. There is a proclamation that says, I'm going to trust in the God of creation. I'm going to trust in the God that created six days. That if he says that that he's going to rest on the seventh day from the work of creation, that I can rest from my work. The second thing is, Sabbath is a gift from God and it's a day to God. Third and finally, Sabbath is a practice where we rest from our work, remembering the rest depends on God. Sabbath is a day where we rest from our work, remembering the rest depends on God. So if you go to Exodus chapter 20 and you see that list of what we call the Ten Commandments, it's the covenant between God and his people, You'll find there the ones you may be familiar with, uh, don't covet and don't murder, don't cheat on your spouse, don't have any idols. But you'll also find there these words, the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Everyone gets to rest. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy made it holy. This practice is where we cease and we cease from our work and we remember that our rest depends on God. It's interesting, the first word, isn't it? Remember the Sabbath. Why remember? Why not observe the Sabbath? Obey the Sabbath. Why remember the Sabbath? I think you know why. Because we are so good at forgetting the Sabbath. We are so good at forgetting to step away from our work. We are so good at not not working. So it says, remember the Sabbath. 
remember it and keep it and cease from your work. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back and we're going to just take the last few minutes together to remember the Sabbath and practice the Sabbath. But here, here's, here's what we need to remember also. When we rest from our work, we take time to remember that Christ did the most important work for us. When we rest from our work, it gives us the space and the time to remember that the most important thing in our life is not dependent on us, but was done by Jesus Christ. It gives us time to remember that it doesn't depend on my effort, that my salvation that I receive, that the forgiveness of my sins, that my right relationship with God does not depend on my effort, but was accomplished by the work of Jesus Christ. And just like the work of creation was done by God, the work of salvation was done by God. And so when I rest from my work, I remind myself that I am a member of God's family and not a hired hand. That we are children of the king who reigns and rests and sits on the throne. That we remind ourselves who we are. So remember the Sabbath. What are you supposed to do? What are you not supposed to do? We're going to talk about that more in the future weeks. I'm not going to go into that today. I just wanted to today give us the idea, give us the remembrance that this is a gift, give you a taste of wanting to want the Sabbath. I give you this one piece picture. What would you do if you were a guest in a palace or a castle? What would you do if somebody invited you over? I don't know who you know that owns a palace, but somebody invited you and said, come to my palace as my guest. Stay in our guest wing. Come to my castle. Stay there. What would you do? It occurred to me this week that maybe whatever you would do there is maybe what you should do on Sabbath. You don't work. You don't work there. You're enjoying the time there. You've got space. You've got time to step away. I mean, you're children of the king. And God's basically saying, I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to step away from your work for a day. And just remember who you are and to rest. Sabbath is a day you rest in the truth that God is God and you are not. You rest in the truth that God is God and you are not. You remember that the work was done by Jesus. It's not accomplished by you. It's a day that you step away from your work. So I want to, as, as we kind of close this time, the worship team is going to play. I want to just give us some time to just break and, 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 I, and I want to give you a few minutes to ask yourself this question. What is your resistance to Sabbath? Where is your resistance to ceasing and stepping away from Some of you say, oh, I got no problems. Ceasing and stepping away. It's easy for me. I'm not doing anything today. I'm going to go home. I'm going to watch the Patriots game. I'm going to, you know, forget it. I don't, you don't have to worry about me, Pastor. Rest. Got it. I don't even need to come the next three weeks. Do you? Because I think we live in one of the hardest times on the planet to step away from our work. To step away. When are you unavailable to other people? When are you fully present with God and fully present with the people in front of you? When can we not reach you? because you have set aside the time 
because you are stepping away from the ordinary. I was at dinner last night with some friends and we were having this, and we had a wonderful dinner and we were, we were talking about our, you know, just our families and our summers and just catching up and, and we had good food. And, but I'll tell you this, I had to work not to think about this morning's sermon. And I wonder if you have to work to not to think about work. I wonder if to set aside 24 hours to step away from work, that it's work to not think about work. What's your resistance to the Sabbath? Is it a practical resistance? Oh, my boss wouldn't, I got to be available 24-7. Is it a financial resistance? If I don't work those seven days, I can't make the ends meet, the bills can't get paid. Is it a psychological resistance? I don't know who I am apart from my work. What is it? What's your resistance? Close your eyes. Take a moment. I just want to give you a little bit of space. And I want to give you a little bit of holy time. Listen to these words from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. What's your resistance to the rest that God offers you as a gift? God calls you to rest, not to restrict you, but because he loves you. He created you. You are his child. He knows you need to rest. He's the ultimate creator and provider. That's on him. He takes the burden off of you. You are made in God's image. And as his image bearer, it is right for you to create. It's right for you to work for provision. But God also rested. And for you to fully bear his image, you need to rest. And remember that no matter how much you create and no matter how much you work, he is God and you are not. Today is the day Christians remember the Sabbath day. God created it. He blessed it and made it holy. What do you need to release today? Where have you been living as if you are God? What unnecessary stress do you bear thinking it all depends on you when in fact it all depends on him? Take a moment and perhaps repent of your hurry. Let go of your self-sufficiency. Express to God your desire to find rest. Hear these words from Jesus. Therefore I tell you, 
Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Hear these words of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, God, there's so much here and so much we haven't covered yet. But Lord, thank you for the gift of Sabbath, for the God who said, I have not created you for unending work. I have actually created you to rest from work and to rule with me. Thank you for the taste of that that we get on this earth, even in the midst of the fallenness and the depravity that, that, that is around us, and yet you still call us to remember the Sabbath, to remember that you are the creator, that it really all depends on you. Forgive us, Lord, for thinking we are so important that we could not take one day in seven to step away from the work of our hands. Help us to receive the gift and to understand in each of our lives, Lord, how to remember your Sabbath well. Lead us in these next few weeks and in these next few moments, even as we consider your word. In Jesus' name.